This week's John Tapp Racing Podcast is brought to you by Inglis, number one in its field. Luke Murrell spent his early working life in financial planning and stockbroking, all the time nurturing a great passion for racing. Later, he became fascinated with the art of bookmaking and actually spent much of his spare time under the tutelage of Rob Waterhouse. He seriously contemplated applying for a licence, but the inevitability of declining race crowds and the huge bond required to gain that licence turned him in another direction. With his friend and associate Jamie Lovett, Luke registered a company called Australian Bloodstock, which until very recent times concentrated on tried horses. One of those tried horses, I might add, uh, carved for himself a little piece of Australian racing history, but we'll deal with that later. Online now is a co-director of Australian Bloodstock, Luke Murrell. Good to talk, Luke. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much, John. Appreciate it. You and Jamie started off at the bottom end of the market uh, buying cheapies. What sort of money were you paying for horses back then? Oh, $1,000, $2,000. Um, <laughs> we might, might have splurged a bit and spent five, but um, yeah. the, the old saying, one man's trash, another man's treasure. So, oh, um, yeah. yeah. Some of your early success stories are worth a mention. You bought a horse called Dealers from a top Sydney stable. You gave him to Sue Grills at Tamworth. And straight away, he won at Eagle Farm, he won at Doombin, he won the Armadale Newmarket, and about a year later, you moved him on. And that's what you're still doing, virtually. Yeah, look, it's sort of, uh, he, he was probably our first sort of expensive horse, I suppose. You know, we, I think we might have spent 30 grand on him, John, and um, mm. that was a fair bit of money for us back then. And um, oh, Sue did a terrific job, and we had a good association there with the late Tim Bell, and yeah, it was a... One of those horses you always remember, you know, sort of not, not a champion, but you always remember it. 2010, you bought Cardinal Virtue, whose form was looking a bit ordinary at the time. You gave him to David Payne to train. Straight away, he was placed in the Premier Stakes. He was placed in the Lightning Handicap at Randwick. He won at Randwick not long after. But your biggest thrill of all, uh, Luke, was to run third in the Galaxy. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a funny horse, John, because I knew he had plenty of ability there. And for for the life of us, we couldn't get a, for a better name, one of those top Sydney trainers to, to take him. And um, David Payne was sort of poking around the edges. And we thought, well, you know, guy that's trained 100 Group 1 winners, he probably didn't have the reputation in Australia. So we, we gave mm-hmm. David a go. And, geez, he was a good fun horse, you know, so consistent. And, yeah, I've got to admit, he, he's one of my all-time favourites, that horse. I'll bet Master of Design's one of your all-time favourites too. You sourced <laughs> yeah, well, him out of Victoria, I think, originally. Yeah, he he took us to that next level, John, and um, he 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 was a peculiar horse. He, he was always going, having little niggling problems, and obviously the, the sheik, you know, he paid two point two million for him or something. So um, we didn't have that money, but um, we we paid a, a fraction of that, and yeah, the rest is history. He's been a ripper for us. You raised a few eyebrows in 2011 when you landed a German stallion by the name of Lucas Kranich into the Friedman stable. He'd won a listed, he'd won a Group 2 in Europe, but uh, you finished up running third in the Melbourne Cup, won by Duna Den. Big, big thrill. I think Corey Brown rode him in that cup. 
Yeah, he did, John. And um, I still remember when we bought him, we were, we were called all sorts of strange names, saying we didn't have any idea, you know, what, what the hell are you doing buying German horses? They're no good. And um, not long after that, Danger came out and won the arc, so that, that helped a little bit. But, um, mm. look, he was just an absolute superstar, that horse. He, what a lot of people don't know is um, the Monday before the Cup, um, Anthony Freeman rang us and said, would be a thousand to one to run this horse. He's he's picked up a some type of skin infection from the beach where he went for a swim, and he said he's just crook as a dog. And for him to come out and run third in the cup, it's sort of I'll get him a grave, sort of thinking he was the one that got away. He he could have been anything. Um, mm. it, you know, he, he come back in the autumn and won the the Peter Young, and uh, he beat I can't remember the name of the grey horse at the time. He beat him by four or five, and. Mm. We then did a um, suspensory, and then that horse went on and won every other group one that was available. So it was sort of, yeah, he, he was a special horse. He's he's one of those once every 10, 15-year jobs. But, um, yeah. Was he's gray, a ripper. The grey horse, the one with the French name, was it? <laughs> That's it, yeah, yeah. Po- Poissance de Lune. No, it wasn't Poissance de Lune. It was no? um, uh, OTI had him, um, and... Yeah, he just he, he killed a really good field that day in the Peter Young. I think it was a dollar eighty for the Australia Cup, and mm. the Friday before the Australia Cup, he um they found he'd um, hurt his leg in the box, and we never got him back, unfortunately. Tozen Stardom was a bit of fun. He won two Group Ones after you bought him from Japan. Yeah, um, we sort of we had a little bit of luck previously, John. We bought a couple of um, two maiden fillies. The previous two years in Germany, of all places, and one uh, they both went on and won Group One Oaks over in Germany. And as Mr. Yoshida from Japan likes to do, he likes to buy those Group One fillies all around the world. And so we developed a little bit of a relationship there. And um, Tosin started to come out for the autumn, and there was a bit of conjecture. The the Sydney vet said he bled, and the the Japanese were adamant it wasn't. Um, so we ended up doing a deal and raced him in partnership with Mr. Yoshida and. Um, again, like all those good horses, they seem to have those little bits of bad luck. But um, look, he won two group ones for us, and there's probably two or three that got away from us. But um, yeah, he's one of those world class horses, and you know I think he's got 200 mares this year going to stud already. He's he's just been so well received in Victoria. So yeah, it's been good. Luke, we'll just pause for an important break on the podcast. Back in a moment. For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most yearlings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four, in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field. Talking to Luke Murrell, co-director of Australian Bloodstock, I should point out at this stage, Luke, that in order to find the right horses here in Australia and overseas, you have to put in enormous number of hours watching videos. How many hours? On average, it's probably about 63 was the last count per week that I do. Mm. Um, and it's, it's more, even if they're not the right races and you know there's not the horses there, you still got to put the time in to constantly update those databases from... I've got a very, not that I know how to build them, but I've got a fairly sophisticated sort of database there that gives me everything I need to know about each runner. 
from the first horse to the tenth horse, you know. And mm. um, yeah, look, it's sort of a lot of work, but uh, you know, you, you just got to put the time in. Otherwise, it won't work. So yeah. How did you find protectionist who'd had only eight starts in Europe before you got him? He'd won a listed. He'd won a couple of Group Twos. But one of those was over 3,000 metres, so you knew he could stay. Yeah, um, he, from the moment I saw him as a two-year-old, it was, it was a, you know, we've got a, pretty lucky we've built up a, a good network of people and you hear different things about certain horses and a lot of times they don't come off, but he was one that was always mentioned he's a proper horse and um, it, it, sort of basically him and Al Mandin actually, we were, uh, we'd, we'd had the deal all done on Al Mandin and that that fell over um, due to a, a, a financial situation with with the owner at the other end and protection has sort of come come through um, in the similar crop bred bred at the same farm and um, yeah he was just what he could do is sort of sustaining a run for sort of a thousand or twelve hundred meters mm. and running sort of sectionals on the day that the group three sprinters were running. I still remember it, and yeah, I, I suppose it just when you've got historical information to reference off. Yeah. Um, probably the greatest thing Rob Waterhouse ever taught me was that the eye lies, and um, so hence, very if you can be a bit analytical with some data, and and then it backs up what your eye thinks, it gives you a bit more confidence. So yeah, of course, we, we, we bought protectionist sort of before the the Kurgalay, and obviously the rest is history, sort of. I think second or the third quickest ever Melbourne Cup he, he won in and he just won as he liked, you know. Well, he won by four lengths. But, Luke, just going back over that Cup in 2014, his jockey was the Irishman Ryan Moore, who is a world-class rider. Uh, yep. Gosh, he was in some traffic coming around the home turn. <laughs> the heart must have been pounding there. Oh, yeah, look, sort of, we, we, going into the race, we had a good chat to Ryan and, and we, had, we had two proper plans, you know, if certain scenarios unfolded and that was plan B, but um, I just watching him through the run, I only had eyes for him naturally. And I, I just knew he was bolting. So it was always going to be a matter if we could hopefully have a bit of luck when, when the run came. And as it turned out, the, the horse made his own luck and, yeah, just too good. Yeah, you said he can reel off a sectional. I mean, he was sprinting 100 metres out, fairly sprinting. Yeah, and... Um, Obviously, we're jumping for joy, but you watch him pass the post and, you know, like he could have gone another lap and, and one by further, you know. He's just an amazing staying horse, but, but had this amazing capacity to to run sort of these section, you know, 11-second furlongs for, for five furlongs straight, you know. Mm. Not many horses can do that, so mm. he's German, never been so confident. His German trainer, Andreas Waller, made a lot of friends while he was in Melbourne. I think he was absolutely bowled over by the impact of the Melbourne Cup to Australians. He he couldn't believe, for instance, that there was a public holiday declared in Melbourne. <laughs> no, he, and, he, and he still talks about his silly Aussies, you know. He, he made the joke at the time. He said, I just thought you'd race kangaroos down there. Didn't know there was <laughs> all these horses. And um, yeah. he said, you have a parade. He said, I've never seen a parade in my life. No, and, no, um, he, he was stunned. He loved it. Now, you, you've been it. to Germany and you've watched the man work and operate and he's he's a very big name over there, isn't he? Yeah, he's um, he's sort of top of the tree over there. He is sort of, it's a peculiar place, Germany. They only breed sort of five or 600 foals each year and 
the actual quality that they breed is just astounding. They've got some pretty strict rules on what you can and can't breed with, but um, mm. Andreas gets his fair share. There's, there's probably another two trainers over there that you consider sort of, you know, they'd be good trainers here. And um, the rest is sort of, it's a funny environment. It's sort of probably what New Zealand was 50 years ago where every yeah. second man and his dog had a horse in the backyard and mm. poked around. Lucas Cranich was one with a little trainer. Yeah. But obviously protectionist was with the big trainer, so, yeah. yeah. Luke, you were telling me that the German form students and the German punters place very little uh, importance in time, race times and sectional times. means nothing to them. No, it doesn't. It's sort of one second or two second. They can't understand the difference. And um, look, to be fair, it's very similar in, in England and France to a degree, but there's some races there they're lucky to take a, a final time. Um mm. You know, they've got, they've got some really fine bloodstock, but um, just different ways, you know, time forms got over there where it's probably fair to say in Australia, you know, times and sectional times is what most of the punters now live and breathe by. But, um, yeah, over there it's very foreign. And, it, look, you know, I as part of what I do is I, um, I do my own sectionals and times anyway, but they can have race times over there that are three and four seconds out. And um, so it's a... Uh, it's probably something that they haven't clicked onto as yet, but I'm um, I'm happy for that because that gives me a bit more of an edge. <laughs> You've got two Melbourne Cup horses in the pipeline this year. One of them has been here for more than eighteen months now, and that's a six-year-old called Ormita, who was a very unlucky second in the Adelaide Cup this year, and he's fully qualified. Look, yeah, um, by Craig's own admission, he said that was one I probably stuffed up. He um. They cleared out by five or six lengths, and uh, it was a photo finish. But um, the David Hayes horse just pipped him on the line, and we we probably travelled too too much extra ground. But um, he's a beautiful horse. He's sort of he's qualified for the race, and and that's been the plan all along. Um, very immature horse mentally, and Darren's uh, he's with Darren Weir, and Darren was always last prep. This will just be an education type prep, and we'll um. So that we've got to make turn him from a boy into a man and toughen him up mentally before we can uh, apply the screws. So this prep, we're, we're pretty excited to get him back and see what he can do. Now, you've got a 5% share available in Ormito on the English Digital September online auction, which opens for bidding on Friday the 21st of September. 5% share in Ormito, a fully qualified Melbourne Cup horse. Yeah, hundred percent. It's sort of uh, one of the owners has sort of got in a bit of a financial spot and he needs to hop out, and um, he's going to go through and probably generate a fair bit of interest because he's um, he's a very very good horse. Sort of, you know, what he's done in Australia has been okay so far, but um, according to Darren Weir, there's a there's a lot more to come. And look, he's already qualified for the race. Um, our challenge will be to to get his weight up to make sure he he gets a run, but. Um, Look, he's got a head start on probably 50% of the field because he's qualified where a lot of the other horses that are nominated for the race haven't actually qualified as yet. So mm. that's a good head start. It means we don't have to run him in races that aren't suitable and um, we're just going to poke around the sides and focus on those sort of, you know, something maybe a race like the Bart Cummings that gets your automatic exemption or um, we spoke about a Geelong Cup and um, those type of races I, I think will sort of be his main aim and, Hopefully we can sneak him in on the limit there. He's got 50 kilos at the moment in the Melbourne Cup. Um, he probably does need a penalty to, to make the race unless we get some attrition. But, look, he's that type of horse. And, obviously, you've got the autumn where the Sydney Cup will be um, a bit more of a focus this time. 
You have another potential Melbourne Cup horse on the way from Europe, and you're pretty excited about him. He's a seven-year-old. His name is Torsador, only 20 starts, five wins, eight placings. He's won a couple of Group 3s. He's run second in the Goodwood Cup, third in the Ascot Gull Cup, so he can stay. Yeah, um, the staying will be absolutely no issue at all. I think he's ranked as a third or fourth, depending on which publication you read, as the best stayer in the world at the moment. And um, look, he's probably one of five or six world-class horses that we've bought over the time. He, he's he's definite top draw, you know. If, if he could bring his European form, um, facts and figures says he's the he's the one they have to beat for the cup. The vast majority of your horses in Australia are split up between two trainers, Chris Lees and Darren Weir. How many each? How many horses each? Yeah, um, there's probably they've probably got seventy five to eighty each. Um, yeah, so. We've got some numbers there now, um, a good mix of sort of younger stock and obviously the tried horses and, and the imports as well. But um, look, uh, sort of for mine, we've very important when you're in this type of thing to be able to trust your trainers and, and those two guys are, are just amazingly honest. And um, obviously, you know, Darren's number one in Australia on the results and I think Chris is four, fourth or fifth. You know, they're, they're mm. certainly good at what they do. They're fantastic horsemen and, um, yeah, look, they, they're terrific, terrific people and I think a lot of the owners sort of uh, appreciate sort of when you get some honest feedback as opposed to being told that, you know, this one's going to win tomorrow and then all the excuses come out. So, mm. yeah, they're, they're, they're terrific fellas. Brave Smash has been one of your great success stories. A six-year-old entire, <clears throat> 24 wins for, uh, I beg your pardon, 24 starts, four wins, 11 placings. He ran third in the Everest last year. He won the Futurity, so there's his group one. He ran second in a new market, and uh, he was one of the early slots to be taken care of for this year's Everest. Yeah, um, uh, Darren's of the opinion that he's going much, much better than he did last year, and um, we had a bit of a hiccup leading into the Everest, so I'm, we're extremely positive heading towards an Everest-type race. Um, look, it's fair that he's probably a 1,400-metre horse, but that Ramwick rise and being such a high-pressure race, I think um, that that's probably suits our horse more than most of them, given how much speed looks like to be in that race. So really pleased with the run yesterday, uh, the other day, and um, he's just... Uh, a horse that has been set for the one race so um he's he's ahead of where we were hoping and yeah can't wait for the race now in the race at randwick on saturday uh he looked ominous i thought just for a few strides coming to the 200 uh did he pull up big i imagine he would he's a gross sort yeah. of horse isn't he he is yeah um he's a little bulldog and um had a good blow but that's always been the we, you know we knew that going into that we're we're there to run well without necessarily being the one we're trying to win and being the grand final. So um, he, he's a funny horse. He's not really a 1,000 or 1,100 metre horse. Um, he's won his group one obviously over 1,400 and the new market was 12. But yeah. um, if he gets a hot tempo there, he's he'll be, he'll be there in the finish on the day. I've been intrigued by the Australian bloodstock colours, Luke. Uh, the royal yeah. blue, white uh, horseshoe, black and white checkered sleeves and cap. They stand out like a beacon. Is there any symbolic reason for those colours or for that design? No, it was when we first started, we obviously had to decide, well, what type of colours we're going to get. And 
they just grabbed when I was mucking around on one of the the silk makers' designs. That that was the design that sort of most grabbed my eye. Whether that sort of you know I had a like everyone had a lot of respect for Bard and his his colours were obviously the checked on the sleeves and and I loved that look and mm. um yeah just the blue and the white obviously go and um that, that they are very distinct though I, I had a, we have a lot of people always comment on that so yeah it's good to see you just you like to see him go past the post first particularly in a Melbourne Cup <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> to an operation like yours English digital online auction is a very valuable tool. Yeah, look, um, I've got to say, we've used, used some of the competition and um, we probably won't sell it ever again unless it's with English. They're, they're fantastic. It's very, very transparent. And, um, you know, a lot of horses these days have got your 10 to 20 people in them. And, you know, if, you can, if they can see their horse, you know, it's, it's like, there's a week lead up to the race, uh, to the sale. Um, the owners can follow it and it's all very nice and clean and transparent. So, um, and Inglis itself, you know, they, they guarantee the sale and those type of things. It just gives you a little bit of peace of mind. And um, I think that's why they're becoming so popular. And obviously, they're the number one site now. But, um, you know, they're starting to get some really good quality sort of stock that's getting offered up there. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic thing. The October online auction to be conducted by English <laughs> Digital is an important one for you because you're going to offer several of your tried horses, quite a number, in fact. Is it five or six? Yeah, five or six at this stage. You know, that can change. But there's going to be five or six there. Um, you know, we, we sort of we, – we sold a horse last auction or the, or the one before. And look, we got good money. We're really happy with the money. A horse called Grey Worm. And I think he's gone and won two or three out of – out of five down there, he won a Saturday race, and um, I think he's won won his money back for the owners, and it's really helpful for that. Um, we've got a couple of nice horses that we're going to probably offer this time in. We've got a um, a horse called Cordones, who's a who's a Canterbury winner. Uh, he probably got beat two lengths the other day at Canterbury, but from an owner's point of view, they're sort of they've just bought into a, a nice um, European horse, so they had to sort of clear the decks with him. So he's going to going to go through. And, um, you know, city winners that are still likely race, you know, he's by Londra. People are going to, you know, he's probably a lot of horses, those, those country and provincial guys are more than happy to poke around with and, um, you know, they'll win their money back with him and it helps us um, with our owners because they, they're coming into another one. So he's going to be a beauty. Um, there's a horse there called Secret Award with Darren Weir. He's um super Vobus gold horse and he's, he's won two or three, but he's certainly only had. He might have had 13 or 14 runs only, and he's um, he's a nice, sound horse, just just needs big tracks and firm tracks. So, um, yeah, this, we, we try not to sell anything with a problem. Our, our preference is we sort of retire them, but so whatever we offer through there is um, generally nice and sound or manageable, and um, there's gonna, some nice horses going to go through. Yep, and that'll be the English Digital October online auction. Yeah, that's right. Luke, yep. um, did you ever imagine when you and Jamie kicked off this business buying $1,000 horses that you'd grow to this extent? Oh, not, not, not to this size, John. Um, sort of uh, at the time it was, a, it was a big thrill to, you know, have a horse run at Doombin and to fly up for the weekend and, and see it run. And not that we're blasé about it now, but, um, you know, it's sort of it's amazing with a little bit of success and just being honest with people how um, – how the how the business has grown and um it's fantastic you know it's sort of 
I get I get more thrill out of um, seeing people win. You know, we, we pick up a lot of people that have had no luck or whatnot previously, and seeing those guys win and get their money back and those type of things. And um, I do myself now. It's sort of probably changed a bit, but um, yeah, it's a it's a very rewarding business when you have the good days. There's obviously lots of bad days, but um, yeah, it's a it's a terrific industry. I should remind uh, buyers and sellers that entries close for the English Digital Online September auction on Wednesday the 19th of September at midnight and the catalogues will be available on Friday afternoon. This sale, by the way, uh, Luke, features 14 horses from Lloyd and Nick Williams' Macedon Lodge operation. The Hudson-Conway reduction sale includes horses like Bondi Beach and Foundry and Amrella, uh, a loft, Crocodile Rock, and they're all unreserved. Yeah, there's some good, good quality horses in there. I'll be, I'll be there bidding for sure. Well, Protectionist gave you the scent of Melbourne Cup glory and there's a chance that Australian bloodstock might have two horses lining up on the big day this year. Can you imagine that? Yeah, well, fingers, fingers go cross. Fingers cross. At this stage, we've got three guaranteed to run and if we can get Almedo and one or two others in, I'm hoping to have five. So <laughs> it was um, <laughs> sort of without being greedy, but it's the race everyone wants to win and you just get a little taste of it, John, and it's... Like, like an addict, you know, you just yeah. it's, it's, you wish everyone could experience it. It's um, we, we had a horse run uh, tenth in the cup, our very first runner, and um, I, I still ran to owners there. A couple of guys that had one percent, and they said we still talk about it and still don't forget that day, you know, when the horse only ran tenth. So, mm. um, the great Alan Jones, the radio broadcaster, I saw a documentary on him one day, and he said his greatest thrill in racing, and mind you, he's won slippers and everything. He said he he had a horse run eleventh in the Melbourne Cup. That was yeah. his greatest thrill in racing. Mm. So puts it into perspective a bit. Luke, just forgetting about the brave smashers and all meters and torcedors, uh, of the horses on the next bracket down, of all the ones you've got in work, are there one or two that we could nominate for our punting friends? Yeah. Um, I've got a horse called Dan and Liberty, John. He was um, – at one stage, he was favourite for the Stradbroke this year without having a run, and we, we, as is the luck, we we were first emergency and didn't get one scratching morning off, so that didn't turn out great. But um, he had a little issue after the race, and um, he's now back in. He's had um, his first two runs were just prep runs, but I reckon he's probably one more run away, and then you'll see a Group One horse. He he is an absolute. If he could find his Japanese form. Mm-hmm. He could run top two in a Cox Plate. He, he's that type of horse. He's a he's a star, mm. sort of that probably people have not not taking much notice of at the moment. And um, there's another horse there called Sixties Groove. Um, he he won two or three in a row there for Darren not long ago, and um, we've still got hopes to get him into the Cup. He's a he's a proper Group One horse as well. They're the two I'd be following because there's there's plenty of money in them. So they're, they're good horses. And, Luke, how do people get in touch with Australian Bloodstock? Yeah, just through the website, australianbloodstock.com.au, and, or mine or Jamie's numbers there, and um, more than happy to have a gas bag about anything um, <laughs> comes up. All right, mate, I've eaten into your valuable viewing time. You better get back to those videos. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I enjoy the little break, John, but um, I thank you very much. It's uh, an honour to speak to you. You're a legend. <laughs>
Ah, pleasure, mate. Thank you very much. And they're about to jump in the fourth at Baden, Baden. Luke, don't miss it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, John. Okay, mate. Talk soon. For over 150 years, Inglis has led the way in the field of thoroughbred auctions. In 2018, Inglis again sold the most dealings at the highest average. Last season, Inglis was number one for Group 1 wins and the only auction house to sell a Group 1 winning two-year-old. They sold four, in fact. I'm proud to align myself with Inglis, number one in its field. 